Welcome to Igris Moshe A to Z. I'm Rabbi Dov Linzer, Rosh Yeshiva and President of Yeshivat Chovevei Torah Rabbinical School. In the current series of episodes, we've been looking at Shuvot relating to markers of Jewish identity, specifically physical markers like uh, Eastern European clothing and the men wearing a kippah. Um, in this episode, we're going to look at a, a less physical, but in no means less significant marker, and that is Jewish names. Um, and in particular, the combination of these two, names and clothing, plus a third one, speech, language, um, has been a um, the, three, the group of three markers that the yeshivish community in particular has emphasized, uh, drawing on uh, certain midrashim, um, with the acronym of Shalem, Shmam Lishonam and Malbusham, their names, their speech, and their dress, and that these are, uh, the Midrashim say, among other things, reasons why the Jewish people were, uh, B'nai Israel, why the Israelites were redeemed from Egypt, and that was used at the earlier early periods of the uh, creation of um, uh, uh, of ultra-Orthodoxy, of Haredi Judaism, as a way of emphasizing a need to be separate and distinct from the larger and the outside society. So we will actually see in the Chuvot that we're going to be looking at today, where Moshe deals with names, that he references um, these Midrashim and the understanding and the framing that he gives them. So we start with the Chuva from 1966 in Evan Ezra 335, and the issue here is one of whether one should have should give preference in uh, the uh, writing of the names in a get when a get is being written all the names of that either that, that that both the man and the woman have their primary names secondary names aliases and so on are all included in the get um, and is there a way in which we sort of write which is primary and which is secondary and so on to what degree does it matter if something is a Hebrew name a secular name, a Yiddish name, and so on. So uh, the ruling, there's a whole debate around these issues. The ruling of Ramah in Evan Ezer uh, 129.16 is is that if a person, assuming a person's primary name is their Hebrew name, if you want to then mention a, another Hebrew name that they have, you would use the word Demit Karya, who is also called X. If you if you are going to mention or you have to mention, you know, their uh, another name that they have that is a not a non-Hebrew name, a Yiddish name or something or a secular name, you would say Hamechune, um, who is nicknamed. And the question here is, let's say the person has two names, one Yiddish and one English. Um, is there any ranking here which is seen as primary and how you refer to the other? So the question is as follows. Again, Ebenezer 335 from 1966. Regarding the names that you, the questioner, have asked, that the vast majority of people nowadays, even those that are of the God-fearing, meaning even those from the yeshivish community, even rabbis, are using secular names nowadays. They use English names. So number one, this is a terrible thing, and we have to protest this, and maybe asking Rav Moshe to you know, back him in his critique of this. This goes against the praise that our rabbis gave to the forefathers in Egypt. That is found in a number of midrashim. That they didn't change their names. As we referenced, because of this, they were redeemed from Egypt. Okay, so that's a sort of moral religious critique, and we'll get to see about Rav Moshe getting back to that. No, it's not even being claimed here that it's a halacha. But anyway, certainly it's a sense. 
of what is primary and what is secondary. Now, but he, the, the questioner wanted to say this should translate into halach in the following way. So acknowledging that the current names that we have that we consider to be very Jewish, um, you know, Yiddish names and so on, um, Rav Moshe, I don't know if the questioner um, explicitly acknowledges, but it sounds like he did, he had to, because it's pretty explicit in the earlier sources, that these names are also not originally Jewish, they're not Hebrew, but nevertheless, uh, they've been adopted and accepted and entrenched within the Jewish community, and they're seen of as Jewish names, that they should be given, you know, those shouldn't obviously be critiqued, those should be seen of as Jewish names, and they should be given primary status in the writing of a get. And therefore, we should write those first. And then when you mention the currently secular names, you should use the phrase hamechune. Let's say a woman's name is Shendel. If he called Nikrit Sharlada, but everybody calls her Sharlada, she Shendel Hamachuna Sharlada. Shendel, which is Machuna Sharlada, Velobini Mitkarya, and not use the word Mitkarya, which shows a sort of equal level of names, no mechuna putting the, the other one on a secondary level. Okay, and then Rav Moshe goes with some examples and the, the book that this was a source of, that the questioner was asking about, and then he concludes, kamoto. We don't, uh, the practice is not like this book that you cited, you need a reason. And now he uses this as a reason to explain why we don't show preference, as it were, to Yiddish names over secular names by putting everything in a historical context. And here's what he says. The reason we don't do this is for two reasons. Chada, the one, and this is the one we'll focus on. When we stop considering something that we now treat as a secular name, what is the line when we will, in your mind, give it this elevated status of a now kosher Jewish name, even though it derived from the outside society? Um, recognizing that it's quite possible that the names that we are protesting right now and seeing as trafe secular names, there will be a time that they will become just as kosher as the good Yiddish name, Shar, uh, you know, Shendo. So maybe in a hundred years from now, a Charlotta will be just as Jewish of a name as uh, Shendo is seen in your eyes. You know, it's like that old joke, right, which is, how do you know that Abe Lincoln wasn't Jewish? And the answer is, because if he were, his mother would have named him Sheldon. You know, so at what stage does Abe not a Jewish name and Sheldon is a Jewish name? Now he says, just consider the names that we now treat as so kosher and so Jewish, these Yiddish names. This name, let's say Shendo, there was a time that this was seen as a totally trafe name, as a German name, as a secular name. Clearly, that's the way it was originally seen. You know, and Sephardi uh, great rabbis have names that were taken from the larger uh, Spanish culture, their outside culture, and clearly there was a time when those were originally seen of as foreign names and as not kosher names and so on, and then they became so kosher that the gadolim would use them and everybody would use them. And he says, And then Rav Moshe is great, you know, he has such historical awareness by reading just with open eyes all of uh, the to- all of Torah. And he says, you know, the Magid Mishnah is Rabbeinu Vidal. Nobody knows any Jewish, kosher, as it were, Hebrew name of his. His name is only, ta- only taken from the larger society. 
So how did they become come kosher? Says Rav Moshe Bavadi Mitchila Certainly, initially they must have been protested the same way you are protesting the use of English names, and therefore what we must recognize is that there's always a process of being objected and protested and so on, and eventually they become integrated and transitioned and uh, rec- recognized as Jewish names. So guess what? The same names you're seeing so ne- so mu- so much as trace today, tomorrow or in a few years or in a, a generation or two will be seen of as totally kosher Jewish names. So it's a powerful argument of historical awareness and gaining perspective. And therefore, as Moshe says, from a halachic point of view, you can't give Yiddish names um, an elevated status since uh, the names that you want to give right now, the English secular names, and see them as, uh, you know, second rate and as really inappropriate and so on, it's a transitory status that they have. Eventually, they're going to be seen of as just as kosher. Um, I agree that now we should protest it, not saying we shouldn't, although one wonders how much you protest it when you realize that the same has been true about these now beautiful, you know, Yiddish names, and that this is transitory. Okay, but let's acknowledge you're supposed to protest it. But then Rav Moshe says, yeah, but like, when do we stop protesting? When do we acknowledge that these actually are now Jewish names, that we've adopted them. Um, and therefore, because this is going to be a changing status, how do you expect us halachically to treat these names as one way now and then without a maybe clear, quantifiable way of defining when they've now gotten into their acceptable Jewish status, uh, now we're going to stop protesting and now give them a different status when we write them in a get. So since they're going to undergo, they are always undergoing a transition and there's not a clear demarcating line, you can't say halachically we should be making a distinction. So it's a fascinating argument, the absence of a good quantitative measure and so on, um, and it forces us to get a grip and to get perspective on this issue of Jewish names versus not Jewish names. What is a real Jewish name? Now, he goes on with an, uh, another amazing discussion about how much is somebody's name really the name that they were given at birth um, as opposed to a name that they have later. Rav Moshe says that even if somebody was given a Jewish name at birth, if they went by a, a secular name in their life and that way they adopted as primary, that really would define their primary name for issues of get and so on. And then also in Another his- fascinating historical aside about, you know, don't tell me that the Jewish names are the primary ones because they were always the ones given at birth and the English names came second. He says that as a historical matter, often it works out um, in the reverse, um, because as a matter of fact, because he says, Actually, what if it actually happens practically, whatever people in their mind think is the real name I want to give my child, but as a practical matter, the name that first is given is often the English name. Rav Moshe says, particularly with boys, that they're going to get their Hebrew name at the bris, and they get their English name in the hospital on the birth certificate. He says, Most times the English name is first. Because by the boys, they're going to give them the name at the bris mila, at least that publicly. The parents probably already know the name. Um, but often, you know, they don't call him that by that name until the brit mila. And at the moment of birth, they give the English name. Why? 
because in the hospital where the baby is born, they write that name on the birth certificate. And that's that baby's official secular name for all legal purposes. And often that actually is the primary way that a person is called. Now that depends, and it's changed over time and so on. I remember my grandmother, when she wanted... Um, she knew that my father's name was going to be Moshe. She had no particular thought about what his English name should be. So on the day of birth, she uh, after after he was born, she turned to the nurse in the hospital and she said, what's an English name that starts with the letter M? And the nurse said, Melvin. So then his name became Melvin. Um, so, so often it, it might be true that the English name is determined in a secondary type of a way, but Moshe says, at least as a matter of what happens on the ground, often that is the name that is given officially first. So fascinating little insight into this question about what makes somebody's name, moment of birth, you know, or later in life, or Moshe says, not moment of birth. And actually, if we come to look at it, English name might actually be often given first. Anyway, back to our larger point about this issue about protesting the use of uh, secular names. So if Moshe has already forced us to get a little grip and perspective on the use of a secular name, but he has at least said, acknowledged, we should protest it. It's better to have Hebrew names. And now he says the following. Fine, I will concede. I agree that this is a inappropriate, unseemly type of a thing to have not-Jewish names, especially at a time when they are seen of as not-Jewish, when that transition has not happened yet. Referencing now the Medrash, our rabbis have praised this. Given that the rabbis have praised this and said that it was because of this we were among the things that we were, because of which we were redeemed from Egypt. But then Rav Moshe, like he did by the Kippah, it could be very important in terms of Jewish identity. Let's be accurate in terms of what its halachic weight is. But we have not really found a real prohibition to use secular names. And now he gives another amazing sort of, uh, you know, splash of cold water in terms of perspective. Think about the other thing, that they did not change their language. Now, when used by the Haredi community, that's somehow supposed to say that they, we should be speaking Yiddish. Um, but not change their language means that they spoke Hebrew. Sherv Moshe says... How good have we been at that throughout the generations? Now with Zionism and so on, I mean, besides that, of course, it's, it is the vernacular in Hebrew. There are many people who make a point of speaking Hebrew to their children when they're raising them and so on. But that has a lot to do with, I think, the state of Israel. If you think about the 2,000 years leading up to that, that has not been something that uh, we have tried to do at all. So Rav Moshe says this. He says... Um, you know, their language is one of the things mentioned there. And it's even more than that. Chazal never say it's a mitzvah to name your children with a Hebrew name. But they do say it is a mitzvah to speak Hebrew. And he quotes the sources, you know, mitzvah used in the loose sense. It's not a real prohibition to do otherwise. The entire Jewish people, everybody speaks the vernacular. Who speaks Hebrew? You know, okay, rabbinic literature is written in Hebrew, um, but who speaks Hebrew? Um, 
From the very moment of exile, we've always spoken the vernacular. Even the greats of the generations did not speak. You know, even the Chazal, they, sp- they, they, they spoke in Aramaic. They didn't speak in Hebrew. They only wrote, only the Memras, you know, or only the Mishnah, whatever, was written in Hebrew. But it was never the vernacular to speak Hebrew. So don't say we satisfied this through Yiddish. You know, Rav Moshe completely rejects that pure, accurate, historical, and halachic analysis. We've totally failed on Loshinot Lishonam. I don't see anybody making these big protests. So let's get some perspective in terms of this uh, Loshinu et Shemam as well. And then he says, um, Similarly, when it comes to the not changing of their names, um, So is given that it's clearly not a prohibition. It's only a, it's, it's a great thing to achieve. Now, ma'ala gedola give it a lot of weight. It's really, really important. But ma'ala gedola could also mean it's a great thing to be striving to. It's a height to be striving to, but also one that... Uh, you know, for in, in many, many circumstances, in the case of the language, was really never attempted to really be adopted and to be uh, and to be taken as a sort of serious uh, uh, responsibility and commitment. And here, too, even though it's a good thing to be doing and something to be striving to, he says, that's why protest didn't work, because ultimately there's not a real obligation as far as this is concerned. So Rav Moshe here, while saying that you should be protesting and it's the, the use of non-Jewish names, and it is Medavar Megunet, it's unseemly, and so on, puts some very uh, stark perspective on this in terms of all of our co- Jewish names were at once were just equally a strafe. The same thing could be happening now with things we see as secular. And let's think about how seriously we treat some of these other things like Lo Shinuet Lishonam and give us some perspective on this. So we now turn to two other two vote written a good number of years later, 1980 and 1982, where he revisits this issue about the Jewish names and clarifies and makes some even uh, further startling statements. And this is in Orachayim 466 from 1980. So the question is as follows. So uh, somebody had a baby girl and wanted to name her after his mother, but his mother only had a secular name and wanted to know, and this actually happens a good deal, um, you know, should I be giving my daughter um, a Hebrewized version uh, or parallel to my mother's uh, name, or should I give her the name, the actual secular name that my mother had, which would more evoke the memory and more be considered honoring my mother, but maybe I personally would rather have a more Jewish or a more Hebrew name, and uh, maybe it's more appropriate given this Midrash and given this idea about Jewish names. So that's the question that Rav Moshe deals with. He again revisits this idea that we know widespread throughout history that great rabbis had secular names. Um, and um, he explains this now as follows, saying what was implicit in his previous tshuva. God forbid that we should say that these great rabbis acted incorrectly. So, oh, but they didn't use Jewish names. Once these names have become adopted and within the Jewish community and it's common for Jews to use them, it no longer is considered to be unseemly and inappropriate, and these are no longer treated as like trafe names, which is certainly, you know, sociologically correct, right? As Rav Moshe said, that's the whole reality 
possibility of Yiddish and then of Yiddish names. And then Rav Moshe said, and you know what? Guess what? That could just as well happen to English names as well. So once they are adopted and accepted, that is no longer a problem to use those names. And it's not unique to Yiddish. Um, and therefore, he says, Therefore, you should not hesitate to use your names of your parents, um, of your grandparents from a previous generation, even though it's a secular name. And certainly, if it's a parent's name, you should use that original name itself. That you are obligated. And then he speaks again about the importance of calling by previous generations. Even though it's secular, below Shinoi, without any change. Now, Moshe doesn't say, let's say that's a Shem Laaz, which is actually not Nidra Glu Ben Hayyuhudim, you know, is in still some of this problematic state doesn't exactly make it clear whether there um, you should still use that name. But certainly once these names, and maybe even now, as we know, maybe not limited to Yiddish names, once these names are now seen of as Jewish names, you should not hesitate, and not only should not hesitate, you should call your child by the name of that deceased relative and don't feel that you're supposed to and actually be inappropriate to change it to a some type of a Hebrew name, which would not be a me- in directly in memory um, of this relative. Now, this tshuva ends with two fascinating paragraphs, one historical and the other really amazing framing, um, potential framing of that famous Midrash. The historical one is, again, looking at all of the literature and recognizing how many of our great gedolim in the past, and including Amorayim, had secular names. Um, and Rav Moshe says, Rav Papa, Rav Zvid, Marzutri says, look, these, none of these are Jewish names. It's all Aramaic names. Aramaic is not Hebrew. It's not Lashon HaKodesh. Now he says it is true. Some Bidrashim or whatever gives maybe some special status to Aramaic. Um, but he says, um, nevertheless, he says, it, it is just so widespread. And remember, if anything is going to get special status, maybe it's Aramaic. It isn't Yiddish. Now comes the kicker final paragraph, and here's what he writes. Moshe says, all of this, we've been assuming that we should be protesting these secular names, at least initially, before they've been sort of been adopted um, in the Jewish community. But Moshe said, because of this Midrash, but Moshe says, this Midrash was talking about why were they redeemed from Egypt? That was before Matan Torah. He says, there was not so many other bases to distinguish us from the larger society. We needed these external markers to distinguish us. What? Because we didn't yet have Tariyak mitzvos. And most of us were non-observant. Most didn't How about the most basic external physical marker for Jewish males? So Rav Moshe says, And then he gives the evidence for that. So what 
allowed them to hold on to their Jewish identity at that time, not Brit Milah, not Mitzvot, the thing that showed that they still believed in redemption and they still held on to their Jewish identity, that's what made them so insistent of keeping these external markers of their name and their language. That was what was going to give them their, you know, allow them to hold on to that fact that they were still saw themselves as the Jewish people and believe they would be redeemed. Um, and that's how, it's connect, that's how it's connected to the idea of redemption, because otherwise it would have been total assimilation. And they held on to it only because they believed that they were not going to completely be absorbed into Egypt and they would be redeemed. But now that we have the Torah, there's not a halachic obligation. Well, that we already knew. Now he says, wow, until now he's been saying, okay, it's megunet, it's not appropriate, but acknowledging that it transitions and so on. And here he is saying, you know what? Maybe it's not even inappropriate at all. Maybe there is nothing problematic with adopting secular names nowadays. It's not even this ma'alagdola that he spoke about before. I'll read it again. We don't have a halachic obligation. And we don't even have an idea of like ethical or religious uh, sense of, of, uh, of mandate pushing us to this. Now we understand why our rabbis did not, uh, weren't careful about not using these names, and we don't have to assume that every time we see a rabbi with a secular name, it's only after it's become completely Jewishized and Yiddishized and adopted within the Jewish community. No! This whole idea, just like we saw that keep, you speaking Hebrew really fell totally by the wayside, this whole idea was not necessary, was not important, uh, because once you have the mitzvot, you do not need these types of external markers um, for our identity. Um, so even though these are obviously religious obligations when we speak about things that are not halacha, but only in the context when these were necessary. And then he says, That was only when they were in Egypt. It stops being something to even be an ideal or to be desired or, you know, to be pushed for. That makes a lot of sense. I'm very hesitant to say it. So, wow, what a amazing tshuva of Rav Moshe Feinstein saying that maybe we don't, we should stop even sort of saying that we should be preferring um, Jewish names, that these external markers are really just important in a certain context. Now, of course, that's the reason why the Haredi community, in the wake of, um, you know, the, the Haskalah, um, really, uh, and uh, reform and so on, really totally embraced it because they saw, no, now we really need to hold on to these markers because of the onslaught of the larger outside secularizing society. Um, and maybe, maybe Ramosha could have made that parallel, but he chooses not to. So in these two votes, we see that Rav Moshe, again, taking accurate stock of both, uh, you know, careful look at the halacha, all of these discussions are really about the importance of Jewish names, are importance discussions, not technical halachic discussions, um, and an accurate assessment of the uh, facts on the ground, how widespread that people are using secular names, how that's been for, you know, hundreds of years, for millennia, um, 
And uh, that informs how we think about this thing. And rather than sort of trying to create a protest and that we have to all use Jewish names and reread history and reread halacha and so on, Rav Moshe actually says, no, this should actually give us perspective on how this has been understood in the past. And even that famous Midrash, a very powerful read and something that makes you think like, yeah, that's probably the exact shot, that they needed those things as their markers of identity. And nowadays, Baruch Hashem, you know, we have a life of Torah and mitzvot, and there should not be a need to feel these additional nar- markers are necessary to set us apart. Um, although Rav Moshe says that last point he's a little hesitant of. He doesn't really want to be saying that there isn't an importance and a value in Jewish names, but it's a very powerful read of that. I'll end by referencing that one final tshuva that Rav Moshe has on this topic from Orachim 5, 10, from 1982. He says exactly this. Um, the questioner really did not want to accept, did not really want to accept all of Rav Moshe's evidence and said, oh, no, 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 let's assume that all the names that we found that have been used throughout the generations were only names that Jews used and the non-Jews didn't use them, even though they're, yes, they're Aramaic and they're Yiddish and they're German and they're Spanish and all of that. Rav Moshe says, he says, uh, Very nice that you want to say that, but those are not the facts. The lo shayach svarot l'shanot hamitziyut. Okay, number you cannot use your thoughts to change facts. You know, you want it to fit your pre-existing understanding of reality, so you're going to interpret all those past facts in that way. He says, it's all very nice ideas, random ideas that fly through your head that does not change the facts on the ground. And Ramush says, really? That's really what you think? That the Jewish community sat around and said, let's think up some names that sound a little German, but they're not being used by the larger German society. And we'll decide to use these as our Jewish names. You know, Ramosh says, obviously, that is not what is happening. Um, and clearly, these are influences of the larger society. And we have to acknowledge those realities for what they are. And that has to be the lens through which we are understanding what happened in the past and also give us a perspective to the current realities in the future. So in all of these two vote, whether about Eastern European clothing, whether about kipot, whether about names, we see that Rav Moshe combining both an accurate look at the facts, an accurate look at the halachic material, a reality about what people are currently doing, comes to the conclusion that while these external markers are important, we have to understand that they are not um, always absolutely critical and that we don't have to see it as part of our religious obligation to uh, set ourselves apart from the larger society based on these external markers. In a way, it's a beautiful statement about what Ramosha believes. We should be focusing on Torah and mitzvot, and those are the things which should be giving our energy in terms of our commitments and setting self apart and not just these types of more external ways of doing it, which don't really, which really miss the sense of the essence and what it's really all about. Thanks for listening to Igros Moshe A to Z, now celebrating 10,000 listens. This podcast is brought to you three times a week by Yeshivat Chovevei Torah. To learn more, visit yctorah.org.